You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Hello and welcome to Stick Together. I'm your host, James Brennan. Thank you for tuning into the show. I want to begin today's show by paying my respect to the traditional owners of the land that we are broadcasting from today. I pay my respect to the elders, both past and present, of the Kulin Nation, and also pass on that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people that may be listening to the show today. The land we live and work on is stolen land, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Just before we get into the interview and the main part of the show today, I'm just going to play a couple of little clips from a couple of RAFU workers. Uh, they're part of the retail fast food union. So that these two workers is one from Dangerfield and one from Coles, who are just going to speak briefly about industrial action that they are involved in. If you want to know more about those campaigns that are happening and to support those workers or maybe you are yourself somebody who works in the retail fast food industry uh just get along to raffw.org.au and you can find out how to join the union and find out about some of the campaigns they've got happening at the moment hi my name is Ryan and i work for dangerfield which is owned by the company factory x we are currently running an eba campaign where we are asking for things like livable wages better safety protocols in the store, abolishment of junior rates, and supplied uniforms. Um, we are just asking Factory X to come to the bargaining table and have a conversation. We do not want to fight, we do not want to cause drama, we would just like to have a conversation, so please stop confusing. My name's Tony from Coles Calm Downs. Yesterday, when I came to work and informed management that I was going to be undertaking the partial work bans, I was told that I was being stood down without pay until I refuse to continue with them. Because I'm unwilling to do that, I'm back in store today to continue to talk to staff and customers about the industrial action that RAFU is undertaking and why it's important to fight for a better deal at Coles. And then at 10 o'clock, I will be going on strike with Woolworths and Coles members from all around Australia. On this week's show, we're going to hear about the People's Blockade taking place from November 24 to 29. The People's Blockade will take place at Horseshoe Beach in the port of Newcastle, 
Malubimba, the biggest coal port in the world. This national action, organized by Rising Tide, aims to help build a strong social movement of people engaging in direct action to achieve their goals. Rising Tide has three demands. Immediately cancel all new coal mines and expansions. End coal mining and exports from the port of Newcastle by 2030. And ensure nobody is left behind in the shift beyond coal. Rising Tide first formed in the UK in November 2000 to organise protests and events at the United Nations Climate Conference of Parties, COP6, in the Netherlands. In mid-2004, a Rising Tide group formed in Newcastle, Australia. Rising Tide has about 40 active chapters in North America, originally taking influence from Earth First movement. Rising Tide North America organises lock-on activities at tar sands, gas ports and pipelines. A point of difference between Rising Tide and a lot of other groups taking action on climate change is Rising Tide's strong focus on movement building, coalition building and solidarity. By linking climate change issues to other issues, they understand how climate change impacts working people and people from all walks of life the world over. Their organising methods explicitly seek to include everyone in the climate struggle. In capitalist economic speak, the aphorism a rising tide lift all boats is used to suggest that an improved economy benefits all those who take part in it, as if there's something inherently democratic and inclusive in the trickling down from the 1% to the rest of us. The climate justice group's use of this term for their name turns this false aphorism on its head, drawing stark attention to the unequal impacts of sea level rises across classes and geographies. Both through inclusive direct action, benefits will flow to all if we are involved in this action. Rising Tide was first active in Newcastle in 2005 against a historic backdrop of over a century of radical working class agitation as Australia's first industrial city. Newcastle is a natural habitat of radicalism and direct action with resistance such as the 1890 maritime strike and the Rothbury miners lockout in 1929. Between 2005 and 2012, Rising Tide Newcastle organised direct actions, blockading the coal port and railways with small and large groups of people. In February 2007, more than 100 small and medium-sized craft, including swimmers and people on surfboards, gathered in Newcastle Harbour. The group took a break from events and activities. Interestingly, some of the young people involved in Rising Tide today are the children of members who were active in the group's earlier incarnation. On 16th of April 2023, 50 Rising Tide activists blocked a coal train at Sandgate, Newcastle, and were charged. The group are now gearing up for their November action to be their most highly attended action in Australia. To build momentum for this event in September and October this year, activists embarked on a 16-day speaking tour of forums and training sessions, spanning six cities across 5,000 kilometres. On Monday, 9th of October, the group attracted 400 people to a town hall meeting in Newcastle. As part of a research project about direct action for climate justice, former Stick Together presenter Liz Turner has interviewed five organisers from Newcastle's Rising Tide group between the ages of 18 and 25. Liz's research looks at how direct action can help create successful social movements with real political impact and explores the role of intergenerational support in social movement building. Organisers Alexa and Zach spoke to Ziz about the upcoming action and the methods employed by Rising Tide to help build a strong social movement for climate justice. Alexa describes the upcoming 
people's blockade action and outlines what you can expect if you're attending. Zach describes how direct action can aid groups to build movements and ultimately win political change, referring to the Dakota Pipeline actions, Black Lives Matter, and union action. Zach describes how direct action helps tell the truth about villains, necessity, and cause effect, and says direct action can help materialize conflicts that already exist and can empower people to organize in a fight that they otherwise have no say in. You're listening to Stick Together, and we are now about to hear that interview that Liz has conducted with Alexa and Zach. Enjoy the chat, and I'll be back at the end of this discussion. Rising Tide have got an action that's coming up at the Newcastle port at the end of November, where you're aiming to um, block the transportation of coal from out of the port. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about that? What are you expecting? Yeah, so we are currently planning what we hope to be the largest climate civil disobedience in Australia's history, um, where we are going to get thousands of people at Newcastle Coalport, which is the largest in the world, and we're going to be blockading coal ships for um, 30 hours. So all day on Saturday, the 25th of November, all day Sunday, the 26th, including overnight. Um, It's going to be a massive event. We've got people travelling from all across Australia for it. Um, And, yeah, there's going to be music and speeches and workshops all weekend, um, plus heaps of kayaks, tinnies, homemade rafts. So it's going to be a lot of fun both on water and um, on land. And, yeah, we're really excited about it. It sounds like a massive beach party. It exactly is. We've been calling it um, a protestable because it's basically a protest festival. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> and really it's fun. really friendly for kids as well. We've got a, a whole program for yeah. for kids' activities, um, and you know, it's a very safe action, safe and uh, not arrestable action. So you can come and, and not get worried about any um, risk of arrest or risk of danger of of safety. Um, We're going to have a lot of safety precautions and, um, yeah, it's it's really just going to be a great, fun, safe, family-friendly event. Fantastic. And the best way for people to get involved is to go to therisingtide.org.au and make the pledge. Is that right? Yes. If people take our Climate Defence Pledge, that is amazing. Um, There's also a registration form for the blockade specifically. That would be super useful if people are able to fill out so that we know how many mouths we're going to have to feed. Um, There's, yeah, there's going to be camping options nearby uh, as well as billeting in Newcastle or you can find your own accommodation. Excellent, yeah. And are you taking donations as well for people who are in a position to provide donations? Yes, absolutely. Also on our website, risingside.org.au, we're 100% volunteer organisation. So we really need the money to help us buy food and um, stages and sound and equipment and all of the things that go into making an event as big as this happen. Um, so one thing I've noticed about Rising Tide is um, we're not shy to to get deep into politics and we're especially not shy to criticise Labor, which some of the um, ENGOs and other environment groups are hesitant to do and we're also not afraid to be public allies with the Greens because we we think that 
um, right, that Labor is doing a, an atrocious, a criminal job that we we are we value pragmatism above above most things. I would say it's really one of our core values that we're here to to make a difference, to win, and we see that we will support whoever has the best climate policies. And at the moment, that's the Greens. Um, and also climate independence, like David Pocock. When I went on a speaking tour earlier this year, David Bant, at, sorry, Adam Bant spoke at one of our events. Um, David Pocock spoke at another. We had quite a few other Greens um, members speak at some of our other ones. The Lord Mayor of Sydney, Clover Moore, spoke at another. So we're, we're a non-partisan group, but uh, we're definitely not not political and we're happy to throw our support behind politicians and parties that we think have the best po- policies. Yeah, I think idealists, we don't have a strong ideology around, you know, anarchism versus socialism mm-hmm. or anything like that. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, we're just pragmatism and we're just pragmatic. And I think a lot of us individually want to tear down the system, but we just recognise that above anything else, what we really want is is action on climate change and if we're going to achieve that we need to be a bit realistic and at least start by working within our political system so we're going to be campaigning pretty strongly over the next election to get Labor into minority government with some really strong climate independence and more Greens people so targeting like key seats um, that we think the Greens could win off Labor or, or things like that but yeah I guess more broadly our, our main goal is, is to build an unstoppable um, civil resistance, a mass disruptive movement um, that forces whoever's in power to take real action on climate. And, and for us, that yeah means phasing out fossil fuels uh, very urgently. And also we've got um, a new demand around taxing coal profits by 75% to pay for the just transition and loss of damage. You're listening to Stick Together on 3CR and right across the community radio network. I'm your host, James Brennan, and we're listening to an interview right now on Stick Together that is with Rising Tide activists talking about some of the actions they've been involved in and some of the organising that is taking place leading up to their big action that is happening uh, across November. What are some of the things that have motivated you to become involved in direct action for Mm. climate justice? And could you point to a particular experience that might have been a turning point to inspire your involvement? Cool. Well, okay. So I guess um, not particular experiences. So I I haven't experienced any um, uh, extreme weather events or anything like that. I suppose the in terms of direct action specifically, some moment uh, media moments, I guess, which sort of led me down the path of believing in direct action as a legitimate and strategic um, use of time. Uh, probably the um, uh, Dakota Access Pipeline mm-hmm. campaign out of the yeah. US. Mm-hmm. Um, that was extremely confronting and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly confronting, frankly, but you know that 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 um, alongside perhaps Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little bit different, but still in that you know civic confrontation space. Yeah, so these sort of issues in the mid twenty tens, mid to late twenty tens, that were happening largely in the US, sort of put me down into that into that framework of thinking, oh well, this sort of protest is you know valid mm-hmm. and and potentially worth your time um and then i guess you know the long (laughs) the long winter of lnp national governments um 
federal government and just hearing the you know this this crisis or that crisis or this poor political decision that poor political decision and being very dissatisfied with how labor was handling itself uh yeah encouraged me to get involved into um environmental campaigns that were more confrontational and had the courage i guess to tell what i see as the truth mm-hmm. um about necessity and villains and mm-hmm. uh cause and effect and i think yeah. direct act direct action does a very good job of telling stories because it materializes a conflict that's like often not seen as clearly as when it can be made into an image with some context so yeah so those those that experience of seeing those campaigns and and being involved in sort of the social media bubble i guess of people commentating on um direct action adjacent campaigns or events or movement um even going so far as uh like sort of semi-anarchist enclaves in in mexico or in syria um like you know it's sort of this this jumble of broad far left sort of touchstones i guess Mm -hmm. for how life can be lived and how politics can be done in theory around the world um sort of legitimized that and made it exciting and appealing what you've just said there are a few different things that come up, I think. Um, so this is not part of the formal questions, but just a couple of follow-on things for discussion. Um, with your observations of American justice struggles, so the Dakota Pipeline, Black Lives Matter, for example, and your kind of um, connection to American politics in being played out in real life with activism, do you think that that has given you access to a kind of culture of action that perhaps in Australia we don't quite have as much of in a way? I was very interested in what you were saying about um, watching those things and being part of the social media things that mm. you're part of. You can see the legitimacy. Um, do you think in Australia maybe that legitimacy, there's a bit of a gap, it's not as widely kind of socially accepted, um, whereas lots of other places around the world it really is? Yeah, I, no, I, I completely agree with you on that. And so, I mean, yeah, it's sort of strategically, I suppose, um, I wouldn't want to rely on those sort of legitimising factors as I see them to sort of inform a campaign here. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is a bit of a tangent maybe, but That's I think... okay. No, I'm very happy to explore it, definitely. Um, a stronger legitimising factor in Australia, I hope, would be uh, the union movement mm-hmm. and how union politics has played out over yeah. the 20th century in Australia. And obviously they've taken quite a hit for, mm-hmm. for various reasons. But, uh, you know, historically the union movement has been extremely strong at certain points and thrown its weight behind... Uh, civil society campaigns in um, ways that are quite adjacent to direct action. So my personal involvement in direct action uh, and or environmental campaigns, I've tried to swing that towards union engagement and union politics um, more so because of that analysis. And, um, you know, certainly there's lots of links there as well, lots of... um... Union campaigns have involved direct action over the years. Mm. Well. You know, I'm sure you were like all the green bands, but also just loads of strikes. And yeah. even now, with um, with with 
with wildcat strikes being kind of not as easy to access because you can only really do a picket or a kind of strike when there's um EBA negotiation or it becomes illegal, mm. but people still do it. Some, you know, there is still um, lots of action for uh, picket lines and so wildcat strikes and things like that. That's still happening everywhere. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting about what you were talking about before was um, how direct action can make visible a struggle that can sometimes otherwise be not as visible so we might not necessarily understand the conflict um but when there's either what is online or there's things that are kind of taking a step up a bit in terms of the um i guess it, it represents the the um the seriousness or you know that people are willing to do this um I think that's an interesting point that you made too did you want to say anything else about that? I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a reasonably intuitive point. Uh, and I suppose I was sort of thinking about it more from a more from a strategic um, mm-hmm. and campaigning standpoint and like you know people people are interested in drama and conflict. I mean, the media is interested in drama and conflict. and so I think there are very good reasons to engage in yeah and actualize the conflict that is there. Uh, so that's I guess that's what appeals to me about direct action there's this sort of i think um cultural at least in in my demographic cultural acceptance of the fact that there are villains out there you know and we could we could name them um you know if we wanted to i mean fossil fuel industry not many people even even the ones who work in the industry maybe they wouldn't call the the bosses well i mean they might call the bosses villains but like the, the, you know the, the the big the big boys on top basically manipulating politics for their own end i mean i i would struggle to find i think i'd struggle to find people who um are positive about them or mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. sort of neutral about them frankly yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but there's not necessarily a whole lot of drive to do anything about it mm-hmm. um i feel like direct action provides you know as long as it's um well thought of and well conceived provides an opportunity to engage in a fight that lots of people feel like they're just having to weather and mm-hmm. just having to observe rather than you know being able to do anything about it so that's so there's an element of empowerment there as well <laughs> take actively taking part in a conflict which is already going on and which you're already feeling the consequences of thanks for listening to this episode of stick together i've been your host james brennan the mulu binba Newcastle-based group Rising Tide is organising the blockade at Horseshoe Beach on the lands and waters of the Waramai and Awabakal people over November 24 to 27. For more info and to register, head to risingtide.org.au. Thank you to Alexa and Zach for speaking to us about the campaign and to Liz for the interview on today's show. If you'd like to listen back to any other episodes, including this one of Stick Together, you can go to 3cr.org.au or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. To get in touch with the producers, to tell us about a campaign, a strike, an action, or anything that's happening in your local area, you can get in touch with us at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. To close out the show, we're going to hear from Bright Eyes with their track, No One Would Riot for less. Solidarity to all of those across the world who are fighting for justice. And until next time, stick together.
Death may come invisible Or in a holy wall of fire In the breast between the markers On some black eighty mile From the madness of the government To the vengeance of the sea Well everything is eclipsed By the shape of destiny So love me now Hell is coming You kiss my mouth Hell is here Little soldier, little insect You know war, it has no heart Sunshine, or happily in the dark, where kindness is a card game, or bent up cigarette in the trenches in the hard rain. With a bullet and a bed He says help me out Hell is coming But could you do it now Hell is Nothing 
planning to take me listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.